0: the Barracks podcast. Welcome to the Barracks podcast. Welcome to the Barracks podcast featuring Amanda Keene and Kirsten Kosyan. The views, comments, statements, and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent the official position of the Salvation Army.
1: So this episode we were hoping to do in this time frame during kettles yeah because you know whether or not you're listening and you're a officer or a soldier or a friend of the army or a volunteer or somewhat affiliated with the Salvation Army you're probably on some level going to understand the chaos and also beauty of the kettle season yeah and with that comes some obstacles and some, um, challenges, challenges. Yes. Yes. And so an episode on balancing or a conversation about balancing life and ministry, I think would be a good conversation to have at this season. Mm
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, we yeah. did this on
2: purpose. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Tot- well, it's so funny, too, because um, this is another thing that I think the conversation is starting to change more broadly about work-life balance in the world in general of work. Um, yeah. I just had an in-service where I work at Wheaton College this week um, for all of us in the student development section of administration. Um about work-life balance. And in response to that, folks from other departments um, are like, hey, if student development can have work-life balance, can we have work-life balance? You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. So it's an interesting It's an interesting um, issue. I don't think that's 100% unique to the Salvation Army. Right. Because this time does make us like bonus, bonus crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah yeah bonus,
1: bonus bonus crazy i like bonus. that yeah we should coin that phrase bonus bonus <laughs> bonus bonus crazy but yeah you're totally right this is a this isn't unique to this, sandwich, this is a, this is a thing that yeah. as long as you're a human listening then you can relate to this on some level um so let's just dive right in sure. and karen you are a doctor aren't you
2: i am I am
1: that's, that's a big deal. <laughs> Do you want us to call you a
0: doctor?
2: Um I usually say to people they only need to call me doctor if they're paying to see me. Um, so <laughs>
0: are you, Wait, are are you charging us?
2: <laughs> no. no, no. <laughs> he is doing this for free people. I am, no, I um I am referred to uh, by doctor in my places of employment. Um usually right. because my education is required for the work that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that context, it's appropriate. But outside of work, I really don't have a thing about being called Dr. Harula. That's not, it's kind of weird for me. So Karen is fine. Right.
1: Well, good, because it would have been oh, really Dr. awkward because I've never called you that.
2: Dr. K. <laughs> Dr. Oh, gosh. Back before I graduated and I even was a doctor, um, Ev Jordan got a hold of my phone and like recorded this really weird voice. <laughs> Um saying paging Dr. Karen, paging Dr. Karen <laughs> to be my ringtone. So then every oh, time my no. phone rang, and like I didn't know how to fix it because <laughs> I was not technologically savvy. I did that to my phone. So we had Rib. to figure that out because I really didn't want people hearing that being my ringtone. I wasn't <laughs> the doctor yet. So like, what was wrong with you? So yeah.
1: <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. But I, I wanted to bring that up because I think it's significant and it's something for you to be, you know, proud of and you've done that and that's a really cool thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you want to, before we dive in, do you want to just give us a little bit uh background about who you are, um, what you're about, mm-hmm. whatever
2: you want to tell us? Yeah. Um, so um, I'm a wife and a mom and uh, most people in the territory and a lot of your listeners know my family. Um, we've been soldiers at the Oakbrook Terrace Corps for more than 20 years. Um, when I was in high school, I felt, um, called to be a psychologist and I went to my high school guidance counselor in the middle of my senior year of high school when I was taking my first psychology class and I'm like, I want to be a psychologist. And she's like, Oh, Karen, you really can't do that. Cause you're really not smart enough for graduate school. Wow. Well, yeah so um i don't think she was actually saying i wasn't smart enough to go to college but that's kind of how i interpreted that Mm -hmm. so um i didn't go to college out, out out of high school i moved to the states my parents were missionaries and um i was in mexico so i moved to the states and started working and supporting myself and just put the idea of going to college on the back burner um And then um, my life took a couple interesting twists and turns, um, including going to training for a time. That's a whole other side story. We don't need to go there. But um, (laughs) uh, so I got married and had started my family. And um, after my youngest was born, after Kelsey was born, um, I was like, if I don't go to college now, I'm going to be too old for this to be worth like what's left of my life. So I've got to go. If I'm going to do this, I got to go. So um, with Kelsey as a baby, I started at my local community college night school for adults um, and did my two years. And then I went to a four-year school, Elmhurst College, and got my bachelor's degree. And then I went straight into my uh, graduate work at Wheaton College, where I I earned two master's degrees and my doctorate. So it was a long haul of education with no stops, um, which was probably why I survived it. Um, I matched for my residency in San Antonio, so people will know we moved away for a time. We moved to San Antonio. And then uh, my postdoctoral fellowship was in St. Louis, so we moved to St. Louis. And then um, we were able to move back to Chicago after then. So we've been back now since 2013. And um, I felt called by God to be a psychologist um, for the church. And because I felt called to the church, um, I did work on that second master's. In theology, so that people in the church would listen to me, because I know a lot of people in the church still don't trust psychology, Mm -hmm. Um, and so uh, I thought it would buy me some street cred. So that's why I did that (laughs) master's. Um, That is awesome. Yeah, because I thought I really, you know, I want people to know that I do believe scripture, like I I do, but I also, um, I also appreciate the science of psychology. So that's how all my education and stuff came together. Okay. And I really feel called to um, ha- helping the church talk about mental health issues better, mm-hmm. um, but also um, education around stress management and self-care and all of those things that go into having good mental health as well. Um, so from a scriptural kind of point of view, um, knowing basic. Uh, important kind of stress management techniques and stuff that are involved in, in self-care, which we also often neglect in the church. So, yes, there it is. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that was good. That was That's perfect. Fine. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. And that leads us right in. So our, like we said, our episode title is Balancing Life in Ministry. And Kiri came up with this question, which I think is really good what is the difference between life and ministry (laughs) so let's just flesh that out and
2: kind of come to a conclusion of what we're really talking about so do you have any insight to that i do so i think i think we all have one life to live there's songs that say that one life to live um soap opera too yeah and soap opera too (laughs) uh (laughs) you're old enough but um (laughs) so uh i think those are false distinctions and categories that we create to talk about areas of our life but in fact everything about us is our life everything about us is our life it, that includes our work um whether we are in ministry by vocation as our full-time employment whether we're in ministry on a volunteer basis um you know whether we're in ordained ministry or employed ministry um or like I say, um, volunteering as part of um, our service to God, Uh, all of those things fit within life. So Mm -hmm. um, when we talk about work-life balance in the secular world, they are talking about the hours, you know, separating out the hours you spend at work. But I don't think that's a very spiritually informed um, kind of holistic view of humanity. And we can't break ourselves down. Mm -hmm. I don't stop being a mom when I go to work. Um, You know, I don't stop being a wife when I go to work, and that's the same for anybody in any kind of work Um, and and endeavor. We are all of those things everywhere we go. I don't stop being a psychologist when I'm home. I have a different role about it, but my brain still works the same way, like (laughs) gifts and develop uh, talents and stuff that I've developed end up becoming applied to every area of my life not just my professional work um i can't stop my brain from functioning in that way you know so um we do need to think about i think it's so much healthier to think about life and the parts of our life um that we have uh, to determine our priorities around um and so balance uh ends up being a much more fluid and dynamic kind of thing then like uh okay i'm going to write this out and every day i'm going to have 2 minutes for this and 5 minutes for that um we we usually hurt ourselves a little bit when we're overly rigid um about those kind of delineations um but i don't think that i ever stop being a child of god you know as a wife i never stop being a child of god as a psychologist you know All of the the things that make me me are all of the same things that make me me in every area of my life, but it's all one life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So does that make it fuzzier or, like, more difficult to talk about? (laughs) No, Kiri, do you have any input to that?
0: Um, No, I think that's, like, pretty much maybe what I was kind of thinking about. But, like, so... I've been, what is it, like, I've kind of been, like, going through a thing where I am trying to, like, make more boundaries in my mind about, like, who am I and then who is my job, mm-hmm. like, who goes to work, it, like, and am I bringing, because, and maybe I'm trying to do it because I've already done it unconsciously so i'm trying to like name Hmm. how i've done that like what are ways where i've been like more of a like a robot or a tool Hmm. at work rather than a full human being Hmm. which i think is just like a little weird but i i think i've done something like that to myself In like trying to follow God well Mm. is like, oh, I can't follow God well and be myself is like, like something that has been in my head. So I'm like, I've been trying to pick that thought apart and like discover that I actually think that. And then, (laughs) so like, I think when I, whenever I've thought about like life and ministry, it's like, it has been like really holistic, but then it's also been this opportunity for me to beat myself up because I'm not that good of a person or like, I'm not as perfect as I want to be, et cetera, et cetera. So then how can I have a good ministry if I'm a really screwed up person? Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, so that's kind of like where I was, it was just like a little bit of a different
2: thought. Mm-hmm. Well, and I will say this because uh I probably allude to this in, in some of the other questions you you asked me to think about, but um, I think I heard that message too much growing up too, that like, you know, I'm sinful and bad and evil and all these things, and I want to be more like God, so I'm just gonna put put myself in this ministry position or service position, and I'm gonna do this thing. Um, because that's better than me being me, right? Because I'm a hot mess. So I'm going to be the girl guard leader or I'm going to be the Sunday school teacher and I'm going to show up and I'm going to put on this face and I'm going to do this job. And that's better than me being me because I'm a hot mess. Mm-hmm. Um, Unfortunately, what I think that has done, and that's been the message, I think, in the church for a really long time. Uh, we haven't talked about humanity Well, we haven't talked about all the areas of what makes us human, most importantly, I think, our emotional life. But um, I'm a little biased. But um, (laughs) I do think that we have shut ourselves down with the message that we're all evil. So let's just look at God and try to imitate God, because that's better than me being me. When in reality, we're all made in the image of God, and we kind of forget that. And yes, we're all impacted by the fall, which does mean that sin impacts my life every day, and I'm not perfect, um, and I've got a long way of development to go, but I am still made in the image of God, and everything about me, my talents, my passions, um, things I care about, um, my emotions, and what they tell me about the world are all redeemable. (laughs) They're all redeemable, and they're all part of what God can use from me he may put me in a situation to do something specifically because of my life experiences and it could be an area that i was entirely screwed up in but because he's redeemed that and brought me through a process with that He's now, he now can use that in a way that I'm still being holy myself. I'm not pretending to put on any kind of a role or any kind of a mask, um, and say, okay, I'll be perfect Sunday school teacher for these 45 minutes. Then I'll go home and I'll be a hot mess again. Um, no, <laughs> we want to bring our whole selves to our service, whether that's professional or volunteer. We want to bring our whole selves to God. Mm-hmm. Um. Even our hot mess parts, um, you know, like even that, because um, when we when we serve out of our authentic selves, it's much more powerful. What we are able to give God is so much more powerful when it's coming from our true selves. When we're faking it to make it, when we fake it to make it, when we put on airs or clean up this little five minutes of our time to be good enough to serve. That's all just fake. And I'm not saying that God um, doesn't bless any of that, but it's so much more powerful when we are serving and giving um, out of our authentic selves, Mm -hmm. um, being honest about areas of brokenness, being honest about um, difficulties that we face. Because when we put on airs and fake it, um, we ultimately give the wrong message to other people that you can only serve if you're perfect. Cause we're only showing them this fake perfection. Right. Um, it's not really real. Yeah. So um we end up stunting other people's growth cause then they don't even think they can try. Cause they're like, well, I'm not perfect like Kiri. So like, I might as well not even, you know <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I yes, think all of us have fallen. Perfect. We have all fallen into the temptation of doing that. We're like, well, I, I can't be real cause I'm such a mess and I know it. So I'll find a way to fake it for this compartment of my day or this compartment of my life, right and go home and feel completely defeated. I'll feel completely exhausted from faking it because that is exhausting. Right. Um, rather than working and living and breathing out of our authentic selves and bringing our whole authentic self to God, to our service, to our work. Um, and then we 're not faking it it's actually life giving. God shows us how He uses us, and that's actually uh, so confirming um and mm-hmm. and and builds us up you know and shows us His work in our lives rather than shutting down even any awareness of what maybe God could do because we're so busy with this mask we have to construct
0: yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm.
1: that's really good it um the episode that we did with Nate. We talked a lot about appearances. Yeah. You know, in the Salvation Army, we tend to be, you know, concerned with appearance. Yeah. And I think a good summary of what you just said is when we live for that, like appearance, we Mm -hmm. fake it. Like we rob ourselves of things that are life giving, of true transformation and redemption. And then we're also robbing everyone else everyone else so no one wins
2: nobody wins but it looks good (laughs) and we said it looks good (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's not good (laughs) so
1: i think maybe the second part well the next question i think we
0: might be we kind of yeah i think we can kind of maybe skip that one because I feel like I was
1: I I want to I want to have a conversation about is it ever okay Mm -hmm. to compartmentalize things Mm -hmm. so is it ever okay to to kind of separate this whole life and ministry um is it ever okay to kind of I don't want to say like mask but like but maybe that's it is it ever okay to kind of
2: pull back in that way I think you know I think the Holy Spirit can can be really helpful in, in clarifying times or certain circumstances. Like, for example, in my work as a psychologist, okay, I hear a lot of horrifying stories of childhood sexual abuse, trauma, um, just the worst sides of human evil Mm -hmm. um that you can imagine i've heard stories right i can't tell you any of them but i've heard stories right right um, that are just beyond beyond and i as an as a normal feeling human being am impacted by that right Mm -hmm. but i in order to be professionally helpful to my patients um there are ways that i compartmentalize for lack of a better word my true emotional response to what I'm hearing to save that for later when I'm it's more appropriate for me to express that whether that's in my own quiet time whether that's in my prayer life whether that's in therapy whatever it is Mm -hmm. I can process that some other way so that I can still be present and helpful to my patient so in the same way Um, There will be times in ministry where you'll be called on to do something. Maybe that's not your favorite thing to do. Maybe um, you you know uh, you don't have any special gifts or talents for it, but it's still on the to-do list and you don't get to pick, right? (laughs) That happens a lot. And so there are certain ways that we do what we have to do in in the service of, of following our calling. Now, for officers that's a very unique and different thing because you are often called upon to do things that aren't necessarily your natural gift set that aren't necessarily, you know, like what you would choose to do. Um, And so um, I do believe it's okay to not like it. (laughs) I do believe it's okay, you know, to say like, "Mm," but you'll do it and maybe go home and like, let that frustration out in another way um, rather than, you know, all over your congregation, or whatever. Right. Like, there are there, and that's like that's a that's that's a matter of professional integrity and maturity mm-hmm. in a kind of a general way. Like all of us are called upon to do things from time to time that we don't love, um, right. but we do them. Um, and if it does cause a lot of angst or frustration or whatever, we do still need to be honest with ourselves and and find other ways to release that frustration. Um, and so there are times sometimes when we might have to hold on to our normal natural response um, to things and, um, you know, to push forward uh, in order to be professionals that we all are. Um, and I think anybody who's a professional of anything has mm-hmm. to do that to a certain extent, right? Um, and I don't think that's unhealthy unless we're mm-hmm. never aware of our true feelings like if we have gotten so good at burying our true feelings that there's just a mountain of frustration in there that we have never allowed ourselves to come back to and say man you know what i really hate that part of my job Mm -hmm. um today was really bad because i had a lot of that you know like Mm -hmm. or whatever and if we don't let that out and process that out and have people that um we can be truly honest with whether that's accountability partners prayer partners best friends girlfriends whatever you know, that you have around you where you can, you know, really let your hair down and be honest. So yeah. I think we all are called upon to do that from time to time. But I don't see that the same as like faking it for permanent and, you know, right. never never being honest with yourself or others, um, mm-hmm. about your true um feelings about things. So yeah. does that answer yeah. that?
0: And, and I, I think that is a lot of like what I've <clears throat> like I had internalized a lot of messages about, like, well, you know, this can't say no. This is your call. Yeah, you can't say no, but like, you should be happy all the time Mm -hmm. about everything that you're doing because you're doing it for God. Like, Um, mm -hmm. and it's like, well, okay, I can be happy all the time, but that Mm -hmm. means I have to turn part of my
2: brain off. (laughs) Right. Right. And then you're then you're yeah. yourself half, half of your life, right? So that's not okay. And I think when we do things for our job, whether we work for the Salvation Army or we're officers, um, we, we automatically say we're doing it for God. Um, and I would like to make a little distinction there. We are doing it for the Salvation Army. Um, if we were only doing what God asked us to do based on our gifts and who he made us, um, m- maybe he wouldn't actually be asking that of us. But due to our employment with the Salvation Army, we may be required from time to time, Mm -hmm. um, employment or, you know, vocational ministry. Right. Um, you know, you're going to be asked to do things that it's because the Salvation Army needs you to do them that didn't necessarily come from God. And I think it's okay to make those distinctions. And I think it's okay to say, I don't love everything my job makes me do. Um, you know, let's just be honest about some of those things. It's not like we're not going to do them. Maybe we'll still do them, but we can honestly say, yeah, this is not my favorite part. Right. Um, I've been pr- pretty vocal in my church community about the types of things I don't like to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, I, I get a little bit of pushback from that. Not that I much care about that because I, I don't, but, um, you know, like, oh, Karen, everybody does this. And I'm like, yeah, uh-huh. no, I don't, I don't. Uh, I'll do a lot of other things and, and, and I do do other things, but when it's called upon like, well, this is the Sunday we all do this. I'm like, yeah, no, like, Mm -hmm. I still don't feel like God's calling me to use my life that way. Um, and we're not used to doing that. I I say I'm pretty unique, um, in doing that even as a soldier. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, uh, as a lifer, you know, and someone who's done everything, you know, pretty much you can do in the salvage army, except actually get red on my shoulders. Um, (laughs) I'm like, I got close. I got (laughs) far. That has to count for something. Something. Um, But I mean, you know, you know what I mean? Um, I think it is fairly unique, um, because of the response I get. People look at me like, what? You'd say no to that? And I'm like, "Hmm? yeah. Now if God told me to, I'd like to believe I would do it. But mm-hmm. like this year, people came to me and said, Hey, Karen, will you cook the meal for community care ministry Sundays? And I'm like, yes, yes, because nursing homes are not um, <laughs> for, for Karen. Like, I love going. Me oh, and I I, you not. should go and you should go a lot. And I, I love will.
0: I will go. And my Professor
2: loves <laughs> it too. Caleb Sun talks about how much he loves it. Like that is so great. Like so so great. I know others do. I don't. And so I'm like having oh. anything else to contribute to that, and I'm happy to. And I'm like cook for seventy five people. Sure, I will do that. See, I, that's I'm
0: the one that I'm not comfortable doing.
2: See, there you go. So. <laughs> yeah. You guys that's should be. Why, good too.
0: That's why we're all part of the body. We all need each other. Yeah, exactly,
2: and I think if we can all just be more honest, uh, and and really speak up for those things and those differences, we would end up being recruited to do some of the things we enjoy more, right? And then we'd be happy in our service instead yeah. of grumpy and resentful and you know uh, about it and go home and have all this frustration to process. And again, I know that that's not always possible people who are employed in ministry, uh, vocational ministry, like you can't just say no, but um, that's why it's so important to be honest, to be yeah. honest, at least with yourself and your closest people. This was a high frustrating day for me. I just need to let that out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's so much healthier to do that than to pretend you're happy and, you know, Jesus all the time because we're not happy all the time right. um, and we, hard, we harm ourselves when we're not honest
1: yeah that's good that leads us into boundaries yeah is karen is so excited Hi! to talk about this She's clapping yes uh so <laughs> so where do healthy boundaries come into play and I, let's just not make the distinction anymore so when talking about life Where do healthy boundaries come into place? And if someone, because I'm sure someone out there is not great at, and maybe even on this video call right now, is not great at creating boundaries, um, what might be some first steps? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
2: It is so, um, so, so much a problem. Um, again, I think because ministry naturally draws to it, people who have a helpful nature, um, you're right. not twos on the Enneagram they're, they They want to help people. They want, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I think there's a lot of us in the church who kind of have a heart for people like, hello, right. we wouldn't be there. I don't think. Um, and so it can feel like, what that means is I say, I say, yes, if someone needs me, I help if, you know, if something new comes up at the last minute I wasn't planning, I'll jump in and do that too. And um, why? Because I I want to help people, you know, or I'm in ministry and this is what, um, this is what ministry is. It's 24 seven. Well, I'm here to tell you that never ever was that taught in scripture we have no examples of that but what we do have examples of is um of moses being um spread too thin uh Mm -hmm. and having to delegate to judges we had you know like everything about scripture shows us boundaries so Mm -hmm. in creation right every day was boundaried and then we had a day off and we (laughs) were mandated in creation. And that is kept up through all of scripture, the importance of proper Sabbath. That's a major boundary most of us violate. Somehow, somewhere, we got the message that that 10th commandment doesn't apply to us. Like We can just ignore that one because we live in such a busy time. Mm -hmm. As if it wasn't consistently violated throughout scripture as well. God knew this was going to be a struggle bus for us because it's a pride issue. Not taking the Sabbath as a pride issue, and that's a major boundary most of us violate. Um, I've done really better in recent years, but I'm busy, and I'm just now, like, getting around again and right, okay? So um, I, I do feel like this is this is not a unique problem to us. Mm -hmm. Uh, to this generation, to the Salvation Army, I think the world in general does not understand human limits, does not want to accept human limits. But I think boundaries, as far as boundaries of your time, around your time, um, I do think it's really important, um, even though a lot of what we may do is, you know, what we have to do for our jobs. Uh, I think it's also really important to always also know what God is specifically asking us to do and that helps create so much less guilt around saying no and setting boundaries. If I'm confident, okay, God knows your job, he knows your appointment, He knows what you're going to be assigned to do. So if you're also in communication uh, with God, because I'm confident your boss will be in communication with you. But if you are also in communication Mm -hmm. with God um, and listening from him, what he's asking you to do with what remains of your life outside of what's being asked of you, um, he will give you the confidence to say no when you need to draw a boundary. He will give you the, um, direction and i say like if our if our relationship with god like if our um vertical is right um we get a peace and a confidence like on a gut level like i know what god's asked me to do here he's asked me to be a salvation army officer which right now includes blah 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 blah. but he's also asked me to do xyz things spend time with friends spend time with family um you know, rest, take certain vacations, whatever it is. And so then you do have to say no to the things God isn't calling you and asking you to Mm -hmm. do. You have to say no, because when you don't, you're violating not only what God's asking you to do, you're violating your own creation because... Mm -hmm. We aren't robots that just can plug in while we're multitasking, doing 15 million other things. And let me just tell you from brain science, none of us are supposed to multitask. And when we do, we're doing everything poorly. So, you know, there's yeah. so many misnomers about multitasking out there. My least favorite of which is that women can multitask so much more naturally than men can. Oh, lies, 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 lies. Those are all <laughs> big, fat lies. Um, we should have an episode about that. Right, untruths. But anyway, um, so boundaries really are um, exactly what God is asking us to do when we're listening to him. When we're listening, when we know what spirit is telling our spirit, when we recognize his voice, it's so much easier for me to say, you know what, today What I'm going to do is go hang out with my best friend because I need that soul to soul fellowship. I need that. That's what God's telling me my soul needs. So I'm going to do that, which means I have to say no to this. I can't go over here to do that. It comes with boundaries. If we're not listening to God, who are we listening to? Everybody around us, then we're doing whatever crapola is being thrown at us to do. And so then, what are we? We're tired, we're cranky, we're resentful, we don't have the communion that God knows our soul needs and tried to tell us to go get, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, boundaries need to be all over every decision. I remember when I was in graduate school, I had this revelation at one point where I needed the wisdom of Solomon at that time. I literally would pray God, tell me, should I do this homework assignment right now or should I? Should I do this thing at the core or should I go hang out with my friends from school? Like sometimes I'm no good to anybody until I get this homework done. So I just need to get this homework done. Sometimes I'm no good for this homework. My brain is not firing. I need to go recharge in some of the ways that God has for me to recharge. Um, And I didn't always know. And it wasn't always necessarily based on other people's agendas that, that that actually worked. Like my spirit didn't line up with my syllabi. So, like, you know, it might have been due tomorrow, but my producing that homework tonight was going to be a terrible paper. So I'm going to go hang out with my cohort girlfriends and we're going to be humans for five minutes um, because we need that too. And so boundaries, boundaries really come out of our spirit's relationship with the spirit. It's so much easier to say no to things when we have that confidence, when we know it's coming from God. I'm not just saying no to you because I'm a jerk. I'm not just drawing this boundary because I don't want to be nice. No, I'm doing this because I'm obeying God and this is what he's asking me to do. So I'm not going to do the things he isn't asking me to do today. And sometimes it does feel like we're praying for the wisdom of Solomon, but I think the better practice we get at that, it's not such a foreign language. You know, like the spirit speaking to my my spirit is no longer a foreign language. So when he moves me to say yes or no to something, it's not not a difficult decision. Mm -hmm. And obviously all of us are in different stages of life. If we're married, You know, we have spouses we have to talk things through with. If we have children, you know, we may have priorities based on our parenting responsibilities. And um, I don't think God ever directs us to do anything that's in violation to commitments like that that we've made. Those are covenant um, commitments that we've made. And so he's not going to say, yeah, blow off your family you know? Right. He's not going to, he's not going to direct us that way. Um, he would never, he would never tell me, you know, to, uh, blow off Scott's opinion and just do whatever the heck I want. Like, that's just not, That's just not the way the Spirit would commune with me. The Spirit knows I'm married. The Spirit knows I have children, Mm -hmm. right? The Spirit knows I have a job. So I can trust Him and His direction to be in line with all of those other things that He already knows exist in my life and um, are big priorities, and He meant them to be big priorities. So we're not in violation of anything here. So, you know what I mean? So I think um, we get hard on ourselves because somehow we believed that saying no is mean, hmm. drawing a boundary, not availing ourselves of every single solitary opportunity is somehow hurting us, when in fact, maybe you just need a nap. You know, like maybe, like the spirit knows you are, you're running ragged. And instead of going out to the movies with your friends, you really should just take a nap. Right. Uh, and we are afraid of missing opportunities. We have severe FOMO um, in life in general, <laughs> like we just do. Yeah. Um, and so we follow all the fun, glittery things uh, without listening to the spirit. And so he's like, "Okay, when you when you want to know, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what you should have done. I'm here, like <laughs> trying right. to get to you. You yeah. know, but we stay so busy, we can't hear him at all.
1: Yeah, I think that's." Isn't it interesting how everything goes back to listening to the spirit?
2: Yeah. And And there are some concrete things you can do, like, to get your juices flowing around boundaries. And if you have not read the book, Boundaries, like, literally, that's the title. (laughs) Read the book, Boundaries. Like, just do it. Like, it'll help you in a lot of ways because it'll show you scripture and it'll show you examples of how God set our lives up to be boundaried and ordered and not chaotic and exhausting. Like God does not order chaos and he does not order exhaustion, but Mm -hmm. somehow we think that's godly. We've decided somewhere that that's godly. So if you really struggle and all of your like modeling and teaching in the church, like feels like it grates against that read boundaries. I just, just, just like Amazon boundaries and just do it. Yes. Mm -hmm. So often
1: it seems that, there's this like unspoken badge of honor that people wear in the Salvation Army. And it seems like just what you're talking about, the busier we are, the more chaotic things are, the more tired we are, the better officer we are, or the better soldier we are, or, you know, whatever. Um, And I think if you're listening, this is probably like, everyone I talk to, this is a thing. This is a real thing. It's a total real thing. It's a thing. And then when you actually, you know, you put up these boundaries, right? Then you have to battle this like guilt and shame of, wait, I've created this boundary and I'm not doing this thing that everybody else is doing because they didn't say no, you know? Mm -hmm. So then comes, and that's a whole other thing with comparison, but what, what do you think are some ways of actually breaking this thinking? And I know it's so; it feels very systemic. It um, is. So I, I don't know if you have maybe some tangible things or practical things that can help with this.
2: Yeah. So I think workaholism um, has become the the favored addiction. Um, We can talk about addiction from a million different ways, but it's almost always a distraction from the real work of our lives. Mm -hmm. Um, So um, if we are allowing ourselves to be so busy with work, that we aren't having intimate relationships in real life with people, whether that's our spouses, families, best friends, you know, our, our important networks, uh, we can stay so busy that we're not actually connecting with anybody. And that's Mm -hmm. not at all the way God created us. Um, and so we're addicted to people pleasing. We're addicted to making everybody happy. We're addicted to the accolades and the rewards we get. Um, from working so hard and being seen as also long suffering, you know, like we worship mm-hmm. that. Um, and we also have mottos within the Salvation Army culture, like that and better will do, like nothing we ever do is enough. Like yeah. we're never enough. That program wasn't enough. That program, that and better will do. And we throw that about, and it's really like on the border of toxic to say stuff like that. I'm never saying that there might not be improvement to be made. I'm never saying we shouldn't be striving for Mm -hmm. our best, but that and better will do says we're never enough. What I do is never enough. What we've produced is never, God doesn't even accept it. Better would have been better. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we have that in our system, in our own language. Um, We are doing the most good. Mm -hmm. Like, don't even get me started on that one. Like, hello. (laughs) Um, Doing the most good is just really unhelpful. <laughs> we have stuff like that um, in our culture. Um, we honestly live in a society that this is pretty common to as well. But what strikes me about that is that the church is supposed to look different. Right. You know, people of faith are supposed to look different. We're supposed to be marching to the beat of a different drum, hmm. and that is not a faster drum. It is a drum that is in step with the spirit, which tends to be slower. If you look at God's rhythms, he tends to be a slower rhythm, God. Like yeah. he's not about flashy, fast, boom, boom. Like that's just not mm-hmm. like that's just not his way. And so we are mimicking the world when we are so determined to keep pace with workaholism never taking our vacation, not respecting and practicing the Sabbath. We are completely in step with the world and we are completely out of step with um, following a God of a different rhythm. Hmm. Um, If our rhythms were in line with God, it'd be so much easier to look at all of the chaos and busyness and go, yeah, you know what? That's just not going to be me. So, like this week this happened to me this very week and it almost always happens to me at least one week a year. Um so I love I love music. I love singing in songsters. I love playing in the bands. I'm a little better of a contributor to songsters than I am bands, but <laughs> even so, I'm like so-so. Um, kind of in both. And what I love about group performances is that I make my little contribution, but I sound so much better because I'm singing around all these other people, right? right. So for me, it's part of worship. It's part of community for me just to even contribute to musical groups. So I don't see myself as like a musical performer of any ilk um, at all, but I love that I get to go play my little second horn part and like oompa away to like these beautiful things around me. Mm-hmm. And it's awesome. So being in those groups is a big part of soul food for me. Like it mm-hmm. is my soul food um, midweek to go to church and participate. And I give devotions to songsters. So I'm very committed um, mm-hmm. to those things. And this week, here's a life balance thing that came up. So Tuesday night, I have I have after hour call. I'm actually available 24 7. Um <clears throat> I don't get called on that often, but it does happen. And so I'm responsible for mental health concerns 24-7 on campus. And so I had a very long kind of multiple phone call thing situation Tuesday night. So I went uh, Tuesday into Wednesday. So I went to work dragging my wagon, drinking a lot of coffee on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. Um, And I decided I would beg off of bands, but I would still go to songsters because I I give devotions. And by the time I got to five o'clock in the evening on Wednesday, like I just couldn't. Mm -hmm. like I couldn't Mm -hmm. and it was one of those things where I was like yeah like my heart really like would love to but my body is saying um no you're done you're done you gave through your sleep hours and so now your body is saying sorry and so bless him uh, my husband at the ready did my devotions for me
1: Mm.
2: and I stayed home and as much as band and songsters mean to me I had to listen to my body I had to listen to the limits of my humanity, which include my physical energy. And I had to take care of myself because I still had two more work days. Like I couldn't call off the Friday. Like I still had to keep going. You know, all of us deal with stuff like that. But if we aren't willing to say no to things from time to time and draw a boundary and say, I literally cannot come to band and songsters, even though they usually mostly mean only good things for me, Right now, I need to be in my jammies curled up under a blanket. Um, And so that's what I did. Um, And so everybody's circumstances are different. I'm not saying everybody has to run out and do exactly that. I'm just saying you have to be in tune. You have to be in tune with yourself and not care if someone's going to have a bad opinion of that. Like, I don't care if someone has a bad opinion of that. I know what I needed. I Mm -hmm. listened to what my body needed and I was much better Thursday and Friday. Like I literally felt like a new woman by the time I got to work on Thursday Mm -hmm. because I listened to what I needed. And so I think when we praise like this never missing anything attitude, the FOMO and the people pleasing, we're always going to be mindful of guilt and shame, but that's also not coming from God. Right. if you listen to God and what the Spirit told you to do, which for me was take a nap, um, yeah, no guilt, no shame, zero, like zero. zero, big fat zeros. So again, once we, once it's coming from that confidence in our Spirit that it's what we were supposed to do, then the people who want to shame me or blame me or guilt me, like. Pfft, like, I don't hear that. I don't receive that. <laughs> I don't take mm-hmm. that in. And if someone wants to come and say something to me about it, I'd be happy to tell them why I didn't go. And it's not because I'm a lazy butt, I promise you. <laughs> you know, like, I just don't. Uh, but I know that is such a hard thing. It is such a hard thing. And we do prize and praise um, workaholics. We do. And we all need to get better at recognizing how simple that is, that that's a wrong That's a wrong um, direction of our priorities altogether. Um, God never called us to workaholism. He never called us to never having time for our hobbies and our passions. He never asked us that much. We started teaching that so we believe it. And it's not scriptural. Yeah. It's not. Yeah.
1: I want to close with, I know this is not something I put on the questions, Karen, but Mm -hmm. Can you close us out with some very practical, tangible tips on working toward balance? Whether that means, you know, listening to, you know, connecting with the spirit, listening to our needs, living that out. Can you just give us some very practical, try this,
2: you know, try this over the next week or whatever yeah so um i'm a huge uh reader and i know not everybody likes to read a lot but almost everything is available on audiobook if you need it but um there's a book that i that really really transformed my life it's called emotionally healthy spirituality by peter scazzaro and if anyone you know, is curious about where a lot of these principles are laid out and supported in scripture. I would recommend reading that book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, or The Boundaries book. Both of those would go a long way in educating you and kind of helping you give yourself permission to do the right thing. Because I think a lot of time we're looking for other people to give us permission to do the right thing and no one's ever going to tell us to Sabbath. So we have to get better at giving ourselves permission to do the right thing and the healthy thing. Others aren't going to. Others are always going to have different priorities. They're always going to have longer to do lists. So we need to get better at giving ourselves permission and we get that permission from the spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's say you don't want to read books. That's <laughs> fine too. <laughs> That's <laughs> fine too. Um, but I would say so a couple things. A lot of people tell me right off the bat, yeah, I can't take a day off. And I'm like, okay. If, if 24 hours of, of non-work activity uh, feels like an impossibility for you, can we start with four to six hours? Can you commit to starting to chip away into a 24-hour period? If you started practicing Sabbath like it's meant to. So Sabbath is supposed to be the notion of taking your hand off the plow of your work, whatever that is. So in our cases, that's often putting down our phones, not listening to notifications, not answering emails, um, unplugging, whatever that looks like for you, not being in your place of work, um, whether you are doing something that you love, whether you're hanging around people that work, usually crowds out of your life, your friends, the people you choose to associate with. Let's say, like I remember when you went to St. Louis, Amanda, like you joined that, that um, that choir that yes right and I was like so proud to see you like make community for yourself around something that was meaningful and important Mm -hmm. to you and you didn't give up something that was passionate for you that I'm sure gives you life right and gives you like oh it's like a breath and it's like rejuvenating and re-energizing so That's what Sabbath is supposed to be for. it's supposed to be for the time that we need to on a regular basis, be practicing the things that give us life and regenerate us, yeah. so whether that's a hobby, a sport, a pastime, friends, like anything that normally work crowds out of your life that's what Sabbath is for. So if you aren't practicing that on a weekly basis, can you commit to a smaller period of time and see that grow? Like Mm -hmm. if you ask the Holy Spirit to help you practice Sabbath for four to six hours on a Saturday, you're going to run errands and do a million other things and stay busy the other time. Okay, fine. But we're going to work with that, right? And you're going to ask the Holy Spirit to show you ways for the rest of your week to start making that. 24 hours possible yeah. so for a lot of people that means doing more housework the other six days of the week so on saturday let's say you wake up and that needs to be your sabbath day your house is in a hot mess and that's going to be so distracting you can't really enjoy it right because mm-hmm. um, you want to really rest from all your labor and for most of us that's labor at home as well as it is work labor yeah. um so you want to have um, like some habits to kick in throughout the week that would make that Saturday really available. Um, but it takes intention and it takes practice because none of us have been practicing this. like, who are we kidding? None of us have been practicing this. So if you can start chipping away and if 24 hours just feels overwhelming, I promise you if you committed to the Holy Spirit four to six hours and started with a block of time like that and asked him to help you find ways to make that longer and longer. Mm. I think he would meet you at those four to six hours. I believe he would meet you there and he would show you how to continue to grow in um, the faith that it takes to take your hand off the plow for 24 hours. Believe me, God is bigger than your work and the world will keep spinning if you don't work for 24 hours. I promise right. everyone listening to this, that that is true. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So like, but we just need to, we just need to start practicing it. We just need to start practicing it. And then the other thing I would say um, is more time and silence, which is something that the Salvation Army also doesn't do great about. Like we're super loud uh, <laughs> all the time. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, I can say that from an internal knowledge kind of place. Like, that's mm-hmm. not just like an outsider's criticism. We are um, just busy and loud in lots of words. And so, again, I think in order for us to really be the sheep that recognize the shepherd's voice, we have to shut up. <laughs> yeah. Like, we have to shut up and like spend some of our quiet time actually in quiet like we call quiet time all the devotion books we're reading and everything which are not bad they're not bad but that's also the author's agenda for that time right so that's not even the holy spirit's agenda might be a great book. I read plenty of them. That's like my biggest thing. I read a lot of books, so I get it. But if you're not spending any quiet time, like literally, not even scripture, and people might want to like tear me down for saying that. But scripture's great too. Books are great too. They all have their place. But I'm talking about silence. Like we don't like. Like it's uncomfortable. And again, I when, love
1: it. I know. When we start
2: with <laughs> it, right? now that I practice it like I can't fathom my life without it and I know I get super like if I haven't had silence and sometimes the only silence that I can like it's not even total silence but I'll like drive without anything on like in yeah. the car I need that space like I need to think my own thoughts and it's amazing how much we don't even think our own thoughts when we're listening to the radio and I mean like hello it is music but still I right. need like nothing So I think it's important for everybody to get better at science and the same, the same principle applies here. If spending like 20 minutes in silent prayer feels like scary, overwhelming, like your brain's going to explode, initially it might because you're so not used to it and you might feel flooded (laughs) with so many thoughts you haven't thought in 20 years, like so many thoughts you haven't even been aware of. So If, like, you're really scared of it, like, set a timer on your phone. We all have them. Like, just, like, five minutes. Just challenge yourself at five minutes and then see. And and literally the whole five minutes, just say, Holy Spirit, speak. Holy Spirit, speak. And just try to listen. Like, just try to listen and then move on. And then every day you just try to break that into a little bit more time. Like, ask the Holy Spirit to meet you in those five minutes and then... You will see that you can tolerate more silence and you start to actually hear the Holy Spirit. You actually start to hear the Holy Spirit. I describe it like the Holy Spirit often communicates with me like in a disquiet. Like I know the Holy Spirit is speaking to me when I'm like rumbly, rumbly on a spiritual level. Like I can't find peace. and I'm like, oh, I got to listen because he is trying to like, this is something. Right. So I think that's a real thing. But I I also know that people are very intimidated by silence and made very uncomfortable by silence. And so you may have to grow into it just like hours of Sabbath. Break into silence in five-minute increments. Just like try it. Um, you may practice like when, like I do, like driving to work and just noticing more of your environment as you drive to work, because it's yeah. amazing how much we don't even notice what we drive past. Cause we're again, 80s music, just singing out of tunes and like, you know, whatever. And so, <laughs> um, so now you know how old I am, but, um, <laughs> um, I think we all have to grow in these areas. I've been working on it for a long time and I know I still have room to grow. Um, but I really, really challenge everybody to consider more silence so that you really can get better at recognizing the shepherd's voice and being able to respond because you're confident, you're confident of what you're hearing. Um, and then, and then building Sabbath and trusting God to take care of the rest of your life. Even if you leave those dishes for those six hours on Saturday, like I promise you life will not fall apart. Um, and we just need to be willing to like rest and do fun stuff. Like we just do. That is part of life. That is a part of life that we take out of the equation like we don't need it for balance when in fact we absolutely can't survive it. Um yeah. we can't survive life without that kind of balance. We do need that downtime. So those That's are my good. I've got a lot of thoughts. But
1: <laughs> Yes. I love it. No, those are really good. Um, And maybe what we can do, uh, Karen, is if you have some other thoughts, send them to me um, Mm -hmm. and we can put them up like as we're advertising for Mm -hmm. this episode. And even once this episode is released, we can kind of keep putting stuff out there. Yeah. So we are really grateful um, Mm -hmm. that you came on this podcast with us. And this has been really good for me. Like I've been... Soaking it in. Um, <laughs> and I'm definitely gonna be one of those that starts with like three minutes of silence, um, and then starts to work my way. carrie's like, I'm at two hours.
2: No, <laughs> <Yeah>. no. No,
1: <laughs> no well, okay, sorry, so only one because, and a half.
2: I mean, I I grew up being told that as an extrovert, like I didn't need downtime, which was sure. just so false. Yeah. Uh, I need, I need different kinds of downtime than maybe my introverted siblings do, but, um, I need downtime. I really do. And when I don't have it, my soul feels it. Like I feel it on a soul exhaustion level. Yeah. Um, So this isn't about personality types. This is really about our souls. Um, and so, yeah, I really, really value downtime now, but it took me, it took me lots of years and I was way older than you, Amanda. So you're like way ahead of the game. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well good. I'm glad I'm <laughs> out of the game.
1: Um, so thank you. You're we welcome. Yeah. You. And those of you listening, uh if you're going through kettles, you know, just check on your friends. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes You know, just in normal life, we need to check on our friends. But definitely during kettles. Um, If you're not driving right now, shoot a text to those uh, friends you have that are doing kettles just to say, hey, are you alive? And, you know, what do you need?
0: Oh, yeah. Make sure people are eating. (laughs)
2: <laughs> Eating is so important. Eating is it very is important. so important to eat healthy food. Yeah. And a month of fast food will make everyone sick. Like literally sick. That is, I just told Kira, I was like,
1: I spent a little over $200 on groceries before Kettle started. I have some freezer meals prepared and I am convinced, like it's my goal. To not eat any fast food during kettles. Like I it, hope so. I will pray
2: for that for you, Amanda. Yes, please I, do. I literally will because Everyone I hate to see how unhealthy it gets for officers and employees of the Salvation Army during this time. Yeah. Um, and, like, my husband is, like, the king of, like, Christmas and kettles. Like, that's, like, his jam. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just always, like, was, like, cringy about how unhealthy it gets, like, it. just time-wise. So, like, I've lived it. I've lived it yeah, in okay. my house. Like, I get it. I get how, un like, out of control the hours get. And it feels like, okay, everything Karen says I can't do, like, I uh, I totally understand. But it does take intentionality, like. Pre-preparing yeah. meals, it does take it does take that kind of stuff. If you haven't started like having Aldi delivered to your house, like girl, that has changed my life.
1: That literally is how I. <laughs> had, That's how I spent over two hundred dollars. That Aldis, they came and delivered those groceries,
2: and oh, I was like, giving you Oh a yeah, tip. bless you. Had have to have bring, to bring have in to like sleep. ten bags. Yes, yes. Oh yeah, Instacart <laughs> Aldi is my lifesaver. That yes, dry shampoo. Like there's another people. tip,
1: people. Dry shampoo <laughs> and Instacart Aldi. Instacart
0: Aldi. This makes life better. I think we're, we need to, we need to get a sponsorship now. Yes, we these, do. we sponsor our podcast.
1: Yes, all these. <laughs> and Instacart
2: and dry shampoo people. <laughs> now, well, you guys be in prayer for me because I've been thinking about starting my own podcast. Um, <gasps> and I talked to, I talked to Zane and band practice one night. I'm like, Zane, I'm going to say this out loud before I lose my nerve, but I think I want to do my own podcast. And he's like, yes, girl. Yeah, so, that so would be
1: so great.
2: Well, yeah. we'll have to have you back when you start your podcast, you. your podcast to advertise your
1: podcast.
2: Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, i got to get on the ball, but I do just feel like, I, yeah, I have a word. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yes.
1: Well, we'll be praying for that. Thank All you God. listeners, pray for that. Pray that I can um, stay no fast food, just like really take care of myself, be healthy, <laughs> and okay. check on your friends, people. Make okay. sure they're okay. Oh but yeah,
0: pray that I eat also, though. Yeah, yeah. Pray that she eats and not just uh Dinamita's okay. chips. Well, I don't even have any right now, so like that's not oh, even great. an option. Yeah,
2: but <laughs> well, we do want you to eat real food.
0: Yeah, yeah. eat real food. Eat I real have food. some real food in my house.
2: Okay,
0: <laughs> I have yogurt <laughs> and milk. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Okay, might
1: want to get more. But on that note, so we don't turn into a podcast that is two hours long.
0: This is about the gro- we'll let you this all is go. grocery. This is our grocery list. Remember, we always talk about our
2: groceries. You do You guys <laughs> have talked about your groceries before. Yeah, well, I heard that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay, people, we're all out.
0: Right. Bye.